One of the greatest obstacles to crafting health and wellness is identifying and controlling inflammation. It's at the core of all complex and chronic diseases, and it's the driving mechanism that underlies the most common symptoms that people like you struggle to overcome. Join us as we explore cutting-edge science and research to give you the information and tools you need to create the quality of life you want and deserve. And now, here is the host of Inflammation Nation, Dr. Stephen Noseworthy. Hey guys, it's Dr. N, and we're back again for another episode, Inflammation Nation. You guys are probably getting tired of hearing me say that, but just on the off chance that there's somebody new listening, welcome to the Inflammation Nation and the podcast where we talk about all things related to inflammation, health, and wellness. And today we're in episode 97, and we're continuing on with tier two testing. And if you've not uh, been following this particular mini series, you might want to go back and start with the uh, you know, tier one testing, which is really uh, lab tests that I would spend my own money on. And I'm trying to give you guys some clarity about what's available to you in terms of diagnostics and the, uh, the kind of like the clinical rationale between why some tests are more important than others. Now, obviously that's tailorable to individual people, but because we're all humans, we share the same physiology, even though we're all biochemically unique. It means that there are some tests that are applicable to pretty much anybody, no matter what the doctor is or who the doctor is, what the complaints are, or who the person are. And for example, things like good comprehensive blood work. Um, but we've kind of gone through a whole list of things. I'm not going to go through all that right now, because what I want to do is I want to move on to talking about um, testing for chronic viruses and other chronic infections. And this does not include... Uh, things like stool testing, which would generally fall into the domain of chronic infections because most people with GI complaints do have chronic infections. Um, but we spent an episode or two talking about gut infections and stool testing. So we'll leave leave that as an aside. So one of the things that that actually is pretty common among people with chronic health issues is what we might call a persistent viral load. And in fact, this conversation will apply not only to some viruses, uh, but also to some bacterial pathogens that tend to do the same thing, and that is become chronic. And usually when we think about infection, we think of things like viruses that come and go, meaning, you know, you get it and you get sick, or maybe you don't, but then you conquer it and then you move on without that specific virus in your system anymore. And this is what happens uh, with the virus that causes the common cold or the flu, influenza A, influenza B, for example. Now, these viruses can vary from year to year in the sense that it's not always the same strain of any given virus that's active in the cold and flu season on any given year. And this variability is one reason why things like flu shots don't always work out so well, because the manufacturers literally have to predict about a year or so ahead of time which cold or flu strain that they think or they're going to be dealing with in the following season. And if they get it wrong, more people get sick with the flu, for example, than they expected. But while this phenomenon of getting a virus and then get ridding, getting rid of it um, is, is easy to understand, some viruses and even some bacteria actually persist in your body even after you get over the initial infection. And this is what immunologists call latency. The word latency means, basically, it means to exist, but to uh, either not be in a state of full development or um, exposure, not exposure, let's say dis disclosure. 
Um, it can also mean the state of being concealed, right? It's there, but you can't see it. And so latent infections are infections that you already have in your system that are hidden, hidden specifically from your immune system. And so let me explain. Viruses cannot replicate on their own. They lack their own DNA, and that's different than bacteria. Um, even though some of the, again, this conversation, some of it's going to apply to certain types of bacteria, but not all. But let's just kind of stick to viruses right now. And so the first thing to know about viruses is they, they don't have their own DNA, so they can't replicate on their own. And so in order to survive and replicate, viruses literally have to hijack your own DNA mechanism, which they use to reproduce and to begin to overpopulate. And if you know anything about basic biology, you probably remember something called the nucleus, and, and it's the innermost part of the cell where you have your DNA. And viruses have to get access to your cells, and there's different mechanisms. Different viruses do it in, through different mechanisms. But a virus has to get inside your cell, then it has to slip inside your nucleus, and then it uses your DNA basically against you. And this is all about survival strategies, and this is a problem for these latent infections, because the moment that a cell becomes infected, it recognizes that, the cell does, and it starts to send signals to the immune system that it's infected so that the immune system can come and destroy it. Think of it like, um, like World War II. Think of it like uh, kamikaze pilots who knows that he's on a one-way mission and he's not coming back, right? These infected cells basically offer themselves up so that others may survive. And once the immune system knows that there's an intruder and then can identify it, it develops these things called antibodies to the virus, which helps make finding and killing the virus in the infected cell more efficient or, and, and more effective. Now, for the Jedi mind trick part, <laughs> and if you've never seen the, the very first Star Wars movie, this is not going to make any sense to you, but here it goes anyways. But in the first Star Wars movie, there was a scene where Luke and the old Obi-Wan Kenobi go into town in Luke's speeder. And along come these two Imperial stormtroopers who are looking for the androids or the droids R2-D2 and C-3PO. And, you know, Obi-Wan uses his Jedi mind trick. He waves his hand and he says, says, these are not the droids that you're looking for. And then under the influence of the Jedi Master, the troopers leave, leave them alone. And the story goes forward and the saga begins to unfold. Well, guess what? You have viruses in your body right now that are Jedi mind tricking your immune system into thinking that they're not there. Like imagine that you have a virus infected cell who's trying to get the attention of the immune cells responsible for finding and killing the virus. And as those cells come closer, the virus waves its hand and says, this is not the cell you're looking for. There are no viruses here. And like, just like the movie, your immune cells just move on, bypassing the affected cell, infected cell, leaving it alone, leaving the virus to go back to using your DNA to replicate and overpopulate. Now, just to be clear, viruses don't have hands and they can't wave. Uh, and they're certainly not Jedi masters, just, just saying. But what they do have is uh, they have multiple sophisticated mechanisms that allow them to evade detection mostly by shutting down the signaling process that the cell uses that would otherwise inform the immune system that it is infected and needs to be destroyed, and in doing so, the virus persists. Now, that doesn't mean that you are perpetually infected in the sense of being sick all the time. 
because these sneaky little critters go through cycles of laying dormant. This is their latent stage, why we call them latent infections, but also cycling between their latent stage and then being periodically active or going through the process of reactivation, acting like a new infection. And so here's, here's truth bomb number one. You don't have to get a new infection to get sick. All you have to do is lose control of a virus that's already there. Let me say that again, because this is very important. You are right now harboring latent infections that given the chance may reactivate and then start to cause some symptoms. Now, this is not uncommon at all. In fact, if you're part of the group that we call the inflammation nation, meaning that you have some chronic health issue that is somehow related to inflammation, which they all are, it is entirely possible that part of your problem is that you have a viral or bacterial load that is turning on and off with some regularity and with some frequency. Right? And when it turns on, you flare up, you get hit out of the blue. When it goes dormant, you feel better, only to get hit by some kind of mysterious flare up sometime down the road. And while there are some diagnostics that I want to talk about in the next episode, it's important for you to be able to recognize common symptom patterns that might lead you to ask someone to test you for these little sneaky buggers. So first thing to check for is if you have symptoms that come and go for no apparent reason. And while this is not unique to chronic viruses, it's very common. So much so that I have this question on my intake form for my one-on-one -on -one coaching clients. And this goes back to something that I've shared many times before. And that's, you know, whenever you have a flare-up, first thing you need to do is do your best to find the trigger. Because that, number one, gives you clues about what happened, but also what you can do and what you can do going forward as a preventive. Sometimes you can find the trigger and sometimes you can't. And it's not always a chronic virus, but it might be. And the way that I see things is that the longer this pattern of intermittent symptoms out of the blue for no apparent reason, the longer that pattern has been there and cannot be tied to something specific, the more likely it is that you're dealing with a reactivated virus or a chronic virus that has turned on. Here's an example of how to differentiate between the two. Like when, when we talked about biofilm disruption in the episode on gut testing, I told you that when people break down their biofilm as part of a well-thought-out gut protocol, they often have, often have these intermittent flare-ups from exposing pockets of infection that they then have to deal with. And so in this case, a flare-up is tied to something specific, using a gut protocol that breaks down biofilm. But if your intermittent flare-ups are not tied to a diet oopsie, or a stressor, or an injury, or a supplement, and, and if we can't blame it on a protocol, and if it is a pattern of recurring intermittent flare-ups over a longer period of time, then you might think that a viral load is an issue. So that's one thing to look for. Another thing is to ask if you have either a chronic low-grade fever, or if you have a fever that comes and goes without any apparent illness without feeling really sick, other than your normal symptomatology, um, and not really feeling kind of wiped out. Now, listen, these things that I'm sharing are not diagnostic in the sense that a lab test is, right? But they are clues and they're indicative. So they're indicative, they're not diagnostic. 
And if you have these patterns, you might want to consider getting worked up for chronic infections. Now, does that mean that you have to be able to call to your mind or remember a sickness or an illness that you've had in your past that you can, say, anchor a timeline to? Like, oh, this makes sense because X number of years ago, I had this really bad virus, and that must be where I picked it up. No, it, it doesn't mean that at all, and here's why. I'm going to use Epstein-Barr as an example, but the, the idea and the concept applies to more than just Epstein-Barr. But Epstein-Barr virus, EBV, most people refer to it as the initials, it's the virus that causes mononucleosis or mono. It's also called the kissing disease, right? That's so common in uh, kids in junior high school, high school, and even through college. But about half of the people who have chronic Epstein-Barr in their system as adults never had acute mono as a kid. And so all these ideas that we have adopted over the, over the years, you know, our, our understanding of how viruses behave and kind of pigeonholing these things into, well, this is how they always behave. A lot of this is wrong. And this is one of the reasons why a lot of the clients that I work with in one-on-one -on -one settings who have chronic health issues who are, you know, they're just at the point where they're so frustrated with conventional medicine that they just don't even want to go back and see their doctor. I mean, sometimes it does get to that point, not always. But this is one of, one of the points of contention is because when you look at the conventionally trained medical mind, it is very rigid and very staunch in how viruses behave this way. And it's always that way. And that's just simply not true. And I have that on good authority. It's not just my own experience and my own reading of immunological literature, I literally know people who are PhD immunologists who are the top in their field. And, and when I say that, I'm not joking. I mean literally some of the best published immunologists in the world. And so we have conversations about these types of things. So here's truth bomb number two, which we're gonna pick up in the next episode. Most of the, common, the chronic viruses that are so problematic for some people as adults are viruses that they picked up and carried with them since childhood. And that's why I said it doesn't take a new exposure to something like Epstein-Barr to get sick from it. All you have to do is have a reactivation of something you might have had for years, if not for decades. All right, that's a wrap for this episode. If you want information, more information, you can check out my website, drnoseworthy.com. That's drnoseworthy.com. You can find me on the major social media channels. Links are in the episode description. Please remember to comment, rate, like, and follow. It helps others like you find the information that they need to begin their own healing journey because after all, we are all in this together. I'll see you in the next episode.